Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and return Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory and on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. Five-star reviews are extremely appreciated, but more than anything, I want to know what you think so I can better serve my audience. On today's episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast, I talked to Nathan Fitch, who recently released his first feature-length documentary film, Island Soldier. Island Soldier is set in Micronesia, where he served as a Peace Corps volunteer and first started learning the skills of making documentary films. We talk about his service, what exactly he was doing in Micronesia, and why he brought a skateboard to an island. Turns out, it was actually a very, very good idea. So, without further ado, here is episode 42 of the My Peace Corps Story podcast with Nathan Fitch. This is, this is, this is, this is my, my Peace Corps, Peace Corps, my Peace Corps, my Peace Corps story, story, story. My name is Nathan Fitch, and this is my Peace Corps story. Nathan, how are you doing? I'm very excited to talk with you today. I'm doing well, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me on your uh, show. Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure because I just finished watching your documentary, which we're going to talk about in this interview this morning. I wanted to make sure that I, that I watched it and was able to speak to it when I was talking to you rather than you know just, just watching the, the trailer, which is excellent on Vimeo. Uh, I wanted to make sure to actually watch the film. And I have to say, uh, excellent job. As someone who, who dabbles in ma- making uh, films, when I see something that you know is a true professional, uh, I am just blown away. So you did an amazing job. Thank you so much, and uh, it's been a, a work of uh, love for a lot of years. So it's it's great to have it done, and uh, you know, embarking on it, I had never made a film, so it was a lot of uh, lot of trial and error. Um, so yeah, it's great to be done, and it's been great to to screen it at film festivals around the U.S. Um, we're, we're having our European premiere next month in Prague at, at a human rights film festival. So it's been, it's been great to have it, you know, well-received, and especially uh, the screening at the Hawaii International Film Festival was especially kind of special because there was a good turnout of Micronesians. Um, and actually my host family from the Peace Corps, you know, this huge family that I, I lived with for two years and they all came out to the screening. So there was like 20 people who I'd spent years with before attending, which made that, that really special. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a, a wild, long ride, but glad to be done. I bet. Well, before we get really into the film, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you served, what you were doing, and just about the country that you called home for two years. Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I served as a Peace Corps volunteer doing youth and community development in the Federated States of Micronesia from 2000, 
2004 to 2006. Or I, I think actually my service, I think ended uh, in early 2007. I'm from Colorado, Denver, Colorado, and had had lived in LA and New York briefly. Um, but I never lived in a small place before, and it always had a certain perception that I was like more suited to like big cities than I was to smaller places. And then decided I, I'd lived abroad in Europe in, in undergrad and wanted to have a longer immersive experience with the community. So um, applied to the Peace Corps and was accepted and got was offered an assignment in Tibet. And it took me you know a couple hours to think it over, and then I said yes, and that that assignment had been taken by someone else and they were like, how about Micronesia? And I have a, a distinct memory of going to a Starbucks and sort of researching because Micronesia was a place I, I'd heard of, but didn't know a lot about. And kind of, I think going into the Peace Corps, my whole thought or, or, or feeling about it was that it was, it was a period of going to a new place and kind of immersing myself in a different culture and it didn't necessarily matter what that place was, as long as it was different than the one I had always kind of known. So after you know doing a little bit of research, I, I accepted the Peace Corps uh, assignment in Micronesia w- without totally knowing what it meant. There were about 50 of us that that were assigned to Micronesia that year in 2004, and so we all flew in to an island called Panape and had a few months of like pre-training before we we actually went to our sites and began begin our projects and my there was a big push for historic preservation that year um, I believe there were three or four jobs or, or assignments that that involved sort of documenting the cu- culture and uh, oral histories of Micronesia because there's been these waves of colonial powers over the last you know 100 plus years and that that job really sort of appealed to me because I had been studying visual art, visual communications in undergrad. And I thought maybe I could apply some of those um, skills. So I was assigned to do historic preservation on an island called Koshrai with a population at that time of about six and a half thousand people. And uh, yeah, it was a really incredibly beautiful, incredibly undeveloped place, um, very religious um, kind of the, the history of the islands is actually uh, there's a there's a sad uh, sort of part of it because the the indigenous population was almost wiped out by whalers who uh, introduced the venereal disease and sort of wiped out like 90% of the island in the last you know people were saved by missionary Protestant missionaries and so today the island is extremely religious because of that um, that period of history so things kind of revolved around church. And after having never spent much time in church my whole life, I found myself, you know, on, on Sundays, it was illegal to do any kind of work, to go swimming, to go fishing. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a really different experience than anything I'd ever known. And, and I think the thing that I, I liked the most about it was being in a small place and knowing everyone where, you know, people and people kind of, or looking out for you in a way that I'd never kind of experienced before. Now, you started doing sort of film and multimedia projects for the first time, really, in Micronesia? Correct. I mean, I had different projects. My, my official project was historic preservation, so I would go around the island with my counterpart, um, Carrig Benjamin, and we would photograph or 
you know, shoot video of cultural events, and then we'd go back to the office and edit together some pretty, uh, you know, it was fairly light editing um, of these events, and then we would take it to the TV station, and they would broadcast it. So it was actually pretty pretty cool to, like, make things and then, like, see them on TV. Like, when I would go home that night, my host family would be, like, watching the thing that I had been making. So in that way, it it was a really fun job. But I was also doing, I was also running a art center for young young people on the island. There was a lot of interest in visual arts. And because I, I had this background in illustration and design, um, that project was also really great. So I would work with the young people to paint murals or do different projects. Um, so that, that was also an important part of my service. And And of all the experiences you had, be it the projects or the relationships that you had with members in your community, do you have a, a single story or moment that stands out to you? You know, one of those that you like to tell friends, uh, like your, your favorite Peace Corps memory. Do you, do you have one that comes to mind? So Micronesia was occupied by Japan um, during World War II, prior to World War II. And so the islands still have these remnants from from the war. Um, and, and I lived, it's a small island, but I lived um, close to a bay um, and there was a, like a sunken ship, like in the, maybe like 300 yards out from the beach where I lived. I, I basically, the house that I lived on was right next to a beach. Um, so, so we would shower with rainwater and, and there was just like a hole cut out in the, uh, the shower room and the crabs would come in and eat the soap. He'd come in to wash and the soap had been like eaten by crabs. Um, but at any rate, there was this, this sunken ship um, you know, that I could see. And I brought my skateboard. I was really into skateboarding, um, you know, prior to the Peace Corps. And so that was one of the things I brought with me, to sort of a physical um, outlet and, and just something familiar. And the family I lived with had an outrigger canoe that I would sometimes fish with. And I remember coming up with this idea to go out and skateboard on this, like, rusted ship that was, uh, you know, in, in plain view and, and canoeing out with, I believe my host brother and, uh, and having this like fun skateboard session in the middle of, of the Pacific ocean on this like rusted world war two ship. And it felt like this collision of worlds, right? Like this, you know, skateboarding pop culture thing that I'm like really passionate about kind of as far away from the U S as you could possibly get. And yeah, you know, I, I was teaching the kids how to skateboard and that was this, this thing that they were really excited about because they had never seen something like that before on the island. Um, and that ended up sort of evolving into a project where I was able to get some skateboards donated and started teaching uh, the young people on the island. So I think, you know, the most memorable parts of my service were those moments when I felt really connected to the community and was doing projects and, and uh, yeah, it was really rewarding. Thank you for sharing that. I have never heard of anybody skateboarding on a a, a sunken ship. Uh, I'll send you a, a photograph. Yeah. Okay. I, I was I was hoping. I was like, hopefully he has a photo of this because that that is a story uh, that can only really happen uh, in Peace Corps. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's great. 
And then with all the the good that happens in Peace Corps, uh, you know Peace Corps is not easy. And one of the things that I guess a rumor or a saying that I don't I don't know how to capture it properly, but it was said when I was in Peace Corps in West Africa, you know, we talked about the the different places that uh, we looked into serving or maybe got offers to. And whenever the Pacific Islands came up, people always talked about that that they thought that that was like one of the like the highest either like ET rates like either you, you because you're yeah. you know on an island by yourself you don't really have that connection to uh, the other volunteers or the highest rate of people like COSing but never leaving like they just they become island bums. Does that does that hold true? Yeah. So out of the group that I I arrived with on my island, there was actually quite a few Peace Corps volunteers. Um, but out of the four people um, who, who arrived the year that I, I started, I was the only one who stayed for the full two years. Everyone else, the other three volunteers left. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting. I think you look at Pacific Islands and obviously like you, you have more of a backstory, but I think it's easy to, to romanticize like what that life is like. Um, but it's actually quite challenging to be so isolated. And, and I think you're, you're spot on. I think you either love it or hate it. (laughs) And uh, I remember I have a sort of vivid memory of maybe the first week that I had arrived there. We, we had a meeting with this Jesuit priest who had spent the last 40 years doing projects in Micronesia, working both as a priest, but also as an educator and as a scholar. Um, this, this, this priest named Fran Hazel is kind of a legend in Micronesia. And he was very blunt. He's like, he's like, some of you guys are not going to like it here and you should just go home. You should not waste your time. You shouldn't waste our time. You know, if you're not happy, uh, you're, you're better off just leaving. And I remember we were all kind of idealistic and, you know, excited. And that was a little bit of a sobering moment to have this person who knew Micronesia inside and out um, kind of lay it laid down like that. But in a way, he was right. You know, I think the volunteers I saw who just stuck it out because uh, because they felt like it was something they should do or they wanted it on their resume or whatever, like didn't didn't necessarily do themselves a favor and, and didn't contribute as much to the the community as I think they could have if they'd been happier. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and since, uh, leaving the Peace Corps, you've had opportunities to go back to Micronesia with this film, but what, what is something that you miss about being a Peace Corps volunteer? You know, Like as as a Peace Corps volunteer yourself, you probably um, can relate to this. Or I mean, it's hard. Every every Peace Corps experience is so different, you know. And I feel like I have periodically I I meet people who are considering doing the Peace Corps, or I get an email from someone who's considering going, and they want to like talk about it. And so much of it comes down to like your circumstances. Um, in Micronesia, the host family that you got was incredibly important. Um, but I think the job, having a job that you, you enjoyed, um, was also like an important part of, it was a really important part of my Peace Corps volunteer service. And I think I have a distinct memory of coming back and 
feeling like while I was in the Peace Corps, I was so empowered to do projects. It was like if you, in my experience, if you had initiative and motivation, you could get uh, resources. Like there were grants available. There were, um, you know, opportunities to do to do things. And I remember kind of coming back and and there was, you know, the economy was like really bad. It was, and, and there was this feeling that you needed to have like a, a master's degree and a bunch of like work experience to do any kind of project. And I know this sounds selfish, but I think one of the things I miss about the Peace Corps was just this, like the opportunities to do, to do really cool, interesting projects um, that, that were, you know, open to me. And, you know, maybe that's, that was unique to my, my situation, but I really felt really appreciated at that point. Like I was doing these projects, painting murals around the Island and, and documenting these events. And people were really appreciative of these, these things. Like I would, I would do something and like, because it was so new to the, to, to the Island, people would be kind of blown away by, you know, the mural that we painted. And, and it was just an incredibly rewarding uh, feeling to be able to use kind of, the skills that I had at the time and feel, feel valued. And I probably, probably will never be as, feel as valued, uh, again. So yeah, it's selfish, but that, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely understand that. And probably many RPCVs who are listening to this interview understand it as well. Now with, with your Peace yeah. Corps service, uh, what did you what did you learn or how did it sort of change your trajectory? I mean, do you credit your your service and the work you were doing to where you are now? My Peace Corps experience definitely impacted sort of the direction of my life and the projects I've done since. And yeah, I mean I kind of got into documentary filmmaking partly because I wanted to make this film. And so a lot of the, the things I've done since have been a direct result of, of my Peace Corps service. And, you know, these over the last, I mean, I haven't gone back for a couple years, but for about six years, I was going back to Micronesia once a year to, to film. Um, so it's, it's become a big part of my life. Um, and as you know, as a Peace Corps volunteer, it's not, it changes you. Um, going away for that long and the relationships and sort of, I think for me being in a place with such different values, um, like in Micronesia, like wealth is the way people show, show their wealth is through generosity, right? Like the more money you have, the more you would contribute to, to the society and to the, you know, community events versus, you know, the U S where the more money you have, the more you want to have like stashed away. Um, and I think that, that seeing that was like an important, uh, you know, lesson in in the idea of values and like, what is success? And, and do I, do you need to define yourself through, through material things or is there, are there other values that, uh, that are equally important? Mm -hmm. We've, talked a little bit about the film at the beginning and we've we've alluded to it as we've been talking but now let's get into the film island soldier uh mm-hmm. so, so as i said I, I i watched it this morning before uh talking with you and a- absolutely mm-hmm. loved it 
and I'll I'll set up the film a, a little bit for everybody because it was it very new to me this this idea. So you you served in Micronesia, uh, the Federated States of Micronesia, which is a a Peace Corps country, an island nation, or a chain of islands in the Paci- the Pacific. But correct the the U.S. military actively recruits citizens of of Micronesia to to serve in the military. And I, you sort of talk about this the in the film, or the the people in the film talk about the the compact of free association. So as soon as I heard this term thrown out, I you know went to Wikipedia and was like, what what is this? And started learning about this whole agreement that the United States has with Micronesia that we are, uh, f- I guess, more or less uh funding uh their their, their government or he- helping and providing assistance and through that people in micronesia are able to to serve in the u.s military but it's not like a american citizen serving in the u.s military you start getting into all of the the benefits that they do lack and some of the shortcomings and it was it was just so interesting to learn uh about you know this uh that, that was going on that i i mean i had no idea and i think that's you know what documentaries should be uh they should you know pique your interest and bring you into uh something in the world that's going on that you didn't know was so interesting but by the time you know the, right. the, the film ends you can't stop thinking about it uh so without without talking too much more about your film uh what what did i screw up and what do you want to add to that no i mean i, I think you you, you you got it, and I'm thank you for for watching it and for the kind words. I mean, basically the way the way I came to the movie was I was running this art center called the Kashrai Art Center. I was working with these young, predominantly young men, um, and in, in Micronesia the genders for young people are kind of split. So so as a a young man myself, it, it was like less appropriate for me to to be interacting with young unmarried women. Um, but so I was working on these art projects and one of the young men um, kind of came to me and told me that he was leaving to, to join the army. And I remember being, you know, bummed cause he was my, my friend and I didn't have a ton of friends. Um, and, you know, being kind of worried for him, it was like when Iraq was, was pretty bad at that point. Um, and then, you know, he left the Island, but, but also kind of understanding, you know, like, there just aren't the kind of work opportunities there that, that you can support yourself with. Um, and as these islands have become more and more dependent on, on imports versus like a more subsistence lifestyle, um, you know, like the minimum wage on the island is very low. I, I, I don't even know what it is now, but back then it was like 25 cents an hour. Um, and, you know, a can of spam, maybe 50 cents, something like that. But a can of spam could be like three or four dollars. So, so I understood why why he was leaving. But he came back after a deployment to Iraq, maybe a year and a half later, and I met him at this this event. And he was a completely different person. He just lost a ton of weight and talked differently. And I just got curious, like, what is it like to go from this peaceful, quiet island where you know everyone? You know, I, I I've never lived anywhere as safe because it was so small and tight knit. Everyone was kind of looking out for me as a Peace Corps volunteer. So like, how do you go from that world to, you know, Iraq or Afghanistan and like these violent war uh, scenarios? 
and I, I guess I just got curious about like what that journey was like and decided that that it would be interesting to make a movie about um, without kind of really understanding how hard that was going to be. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, so that was, that was like kind of the seed of the, the idea. And then I would meet these Micronesians who are home, you know, from war and, and talk to them a little bit. And then when I got back from the Peace Corps, I was kind of having a hard time readjusting to American society. And so I would, if I went anywhere that had a military base, I would try to like hit up my Micronesian friends and see if there's anyone on like the military base. Um, and in general, there's, there's a community of Micronesians any, on, on every military base around the U S you know, my friends, my, my American friends about this and they were, they knew, you know, they're like, really like that's happening. And, and the fact that no one knew anything about it felt like there was a need to make a film because it's like you said, it's not a, a place or a story that we as Americans know very much about in general. And how how has the film been received uh, by uh, Micronesians, number one, but then you also uh, did a screening at the State Department? Yeah, I mean, we, we did a screening at the State Department and the Department of the Interior um, last, I believe it was last November or early December. Um, and those those screenings went really well, I have to say. Um, the State Department screening actually came about partly through a Peace Corps friend who went into the foreign service and we did, we'd done a Kickstarter. And so he saw the movie and then connected us with, uh, with the department, uh, the state department and that screening was set up. And then someone from the department of the interior who had been tracking the film, um, also invited me to come to a screening for them. And the screening at the department of the interior was really great also because the, the ambassador from the Federated States of Micronesia introduced the film. Um, and there was the assistant secretary to the, the department of the interior was there and, and just ha- we had a great turnout and there were two Micronesian soldier, active duty soldiers who were able to, to attend and then be part of the Q and a. And I think that was a really memorable, uh, you know, thing for me and to have, have the film, well received and have have the people that are being represented you know so far um all the all the feedback and reception that we've been getting has been very positive i haven't really um had any negative um feedback from the from the micronesian community which was important to me you know going into the film it's like a place that doesn't get a lot of media representation at all so you know one this is you know, this is an important story to, to the people. So I wanted to do it justice. And it's also, you know, as you, as, as you've seen the film, there's some like intimate um, emotional moments that people kind of opened, opened themselves up for and let the camera be present. So I felt a, you know, as a documentarian, a re- responsibility. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going back to Micronesia for the first time in a couple of years to screen the film in this April. And I think that will be a really, uh, really exciting chance to, to get more feedback and see how the community there, you know, likes the film and, and sort of, I think it, as a filmmaker, it's good to be present and to, to answer questions as they come up because, you know, people, yeah, I feel, I feel like I owe that to the community um, to, to answer any questions they might have. 
everybody, the episode is not over just because you hear the intro and outdoor music. But I decided to stop the interview with Nathan right there because I thought it would be much better to hear how the event actually went. So we put this interview on pause, and then a few days ago, I called Nathan again, and we picked up where we left off, learning how exactly the screening went. So here it is. Hey, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Tyler? Doing well and excited to hear about your trip and the screening of Island Soldier in Micronesia. Absolutely. So it was personally an incredible kind of experience to get to go back to Micronesia. You know, I finished in 2007, um, so about 10 years later. Um, and obviously this film has been a lot of work and a lot of effort. And so it was so great to kind of get to go back. And um, the first screening was on an island called Panape, where I had done my pre-service um, pre-training before being um, given my my assignment for the two years my, and my uh, primary project. Um, but because I had spent three months living on the island of Ponape, I also had a host family there and a whole set of kind of relationships. Um, and so I kind of showed up and it's interesting to come back to a place 10 years later because in, in a way things have changed, but in a way my experience going back, everything felt very much in line with the way I remembered the islands and the people. Um, and there was something kind of comforting and, um, you know, when I rolled up to my host family's house, they were, um, they didn't, I, I had messaged them that I, I was coming, but they hadn't, things had gotten kind of like mixed up in the back and forth and they didn't realize I was going to be there. And so I kind of showed up and they were, you know, kind of as I remembered them pounding kava and hanging out as a family by the water, they have this, sort of, I mean, everyone in Micronesia lives fairly close to the, the water, but they live right on the water in this kind of an amazing compound. And I sat down and we started drinking kava and it really felt like, you know, like a lot had changed, but a lot hadn't changed. And they, their warmth was kind of immediate. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was, there's, there's one movie theater on the island of Ponape and I kind of went there pretty quickly after I landed and there's this huge like 12 foot banner kind of advertising the screening, which was really cool to see. Um, and the, the, the college of Micronesia, which has kind of sponsored the, the, the my trip and the screening um, along with the U S embassy had rented out all three screens for this theater. So it's a fairly small theater, I think altogether with, with all three of the screening rooms, it can seat maybe 300 plus. Um, but on the day of the screening, I kind of showed up and wasn't really sure what to expect. And it was completely full. Um, it was like really cool, like so full that like people were sitting on the floors and some people unfortunately couldn't even get in. Um, but it was, and, and the theater there actually has a really nice image and good projector and good sound. So it was incredible to kind of have the film screened really professionally back in Micronesia. And, and one thing that's that's really um, personally gratifying is when I get to watch watch the documentary with Pacific Islanders with Micronesians because they they just get the story on this level that I think is hard to kind of understand if you're not from the islands. I mean, hopefully the storytelling is you know 
uh, clear and compelling in a way that there's, there's an emotional connection for someone who's not from the islands. But I think for people from the islands who have some sort of direct line to military service and clearly know the island culture, um, I think it just plays on a whole nother level. So even though I've seen the film so many times, I, I typically like skip out during screenings. Um, for this one, it was really great to kind of be there. I, I, I gave up my seat and just sat, sat on the ground in the, uh, in the aisle, but just to hear people kind of laughing and, um, you know, the emotions just felt like they were hitting, um, in the right, the, the beats were just hitting right. So that was a really incredible screening. And then we did a, a Q and a with the, uh, U S ambassador, U S ambassador Riley, um, and myself answered, you know, questions. And I, I'm, I can't confirm this, but I think that that may have been the first Q and a like that they've ever done on the Island, because I think it's rare that films are, are made about the, the Island mm-hmm. I mean, in general, there's just not a lot produced. And then it's, you know, for a filmmaker to, to travel all the way there to, to be present, to do a Q and a, I mean, most of the films that are screened in this theater are big uh, Hollywood, you know, blockbusters. And so those, I would be doubtful if any of the, the filmmakers involved have ever made it to Micronesia to kind of be at their Q and a. So it was kind of neat to kind of feel like maybe this was like the first first time something quite like this has happened. Um, so yeah, and then then I flew a couple of days later. I flew to Koshrai, which was the island um, where I had served, to do a second screening. And I think that that one was kind of the most important thing for me. There was that the the, the subjects, some of the people who were in the film, including uh, Marianne Dana, who lost her son um, in this sort of a pivotal emotional anchor for Island Soldier. Um, getting to watch the film with her, you know, projected for the first time was really cathartic for me and really emotional. And then sort of having, it was in this gym, this big gym, um, because I don't have a movie theater on that island. Um, and then afterwards, she got up and was able to give a speech and it just felt like a public acknowledgement of her sacrifice and that the film was something that she was behind. And, you know, for that Island also, I mean, I, I think this, this is just all very new. So it was, it was an interesting experience to kind of get to go back and do that. Um, I know that, that ethnographers have done it, but I think that that's uh, like a slightly, they've gone back and shown films to subjects, but I think that the the context of this being screened as sort of like a, a finished film um, that's been screening you know, around the world. Um, it just felt like it was respectful and time time for it to come home and be screened for the audience who it was made for in a way. So so overall, really, really an incredible trip. Mm-hmm. I, I can absolutely imagine. And what how was the film received? I mean, you, you said you were, you know, you're sitting there in the audience and you're hearing them laugh and experience the film, but what, what did people tell you afterwards what were some of the emotions that and thoughts that were going through their minds you know i I think first of all um you know there's there's so little representation of people from micronesia and what so much of it that is um that is out there if you're living in places like hawaii and guam is negative and so i think that it's, it's a little bit hard to articulate but i think culturally it's important to see, uh, to see representation, positive representation that fills 
uh, like grounded and rooted in the community. Um, you know, you think about colonialism and kind of, you know, these people in Micronesia see, see all these movies starring, you know, white Americans and in sort of heroic, uh, situations, but they don't get to see a lot of films of their own people in their own languages. <clears throat> so I, I felt, you know, pretty universally that the people were happy, that they were happy that, that the film had been made and that it was telling the story that, that they, that's a, that's a big deal to them. Um, and, and hasn't really been told, but also just, just to have like, have some something that looks like a professional film made about their stories and putting their voices at the forefront versus an outsider telling their story, I think was something that the people really appreciated. Um, I mean, one, so in Micronesia, each Island, you know, has its own culture and language. And so one thing that people said is that they want a sequel. They want, they want to have another film that focuses on like their Island, you know, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, what, what the scale of this was, you know, we were working with a, a micro budget and because of my Peace Corps service, the access was really there. And so if I'd showed up on, you know, another island, um, I just wouldn't have been able to to get that access so quickly because it was all predicated on these years of, of uh, you know, time in the community and speaking the language and, and all of that, I think, played into the access. So, um, but yeah, I mean... And I think that people see the movie as as kind of revealing the story that, that America and Americans don't know about. And I think that, you know, talking to the veterans, they seem to think that maybe there's a way that the film can kind of amplify, um, you know, some of the issues they're facing. And it can be something like a tool for them to kind of uh, try to advocate for for more um, more benefits to be extended. So. You know, as as a filmmaker, it was important for me that the film not be per se like an advocacy piece, that it be kind of like a, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of I captured what we captured what happened, and you know, obviously we're trying to to craft a story, but this wasn't the, the point of this wasn't. Um, yeah, there, there's no directive at the end. You know, it's a here here's what it is. Here's the story. Take. Take with it what you will and do with it what you will. Exactly. And uh, I mean, one thing that that Ambassador Riley said, one of the questions that came up pretty quickly in our Q&A was, was about the benefits. And, and, you know, he was, I thought he did, did a great job in the Q&A and he's actually a former Peace Corps volunteer himself. Um, and so I think he really, um, you know, empathizes for, for the people and and for the situation, he kind of said, "Look, you know, this is this was something that was overlooked in the agreement. This this you know these benefits that aren't being extended, um, and maybe the movie can can help you guys. You need to like get this out if you want to make a change. So maybe the film can be part of that change. That was cool to hear that coming from uh, the U.S. ambassador that the film he, he thought the film might might be able to kind of help amplify their voices and help them try to." express some of the challenges that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And what, what is next for this film? I mean, do you have any upcoming screenings or I know they, they asked for for a sequel, but are you, are you thinking of any other ways that you can, you know, continue sort of this project or do you have another project in the pipeline? Like what, what is next for, for Nathan? 
Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And after you spend years on these projects, it can be a little, um, you kind of pour your heart and soul into this thing and then it's, it's done and you have to, I think everyone has to sort of figure out their cutoff point and where they kind of move on to new projects. And I'm just, I think, you know, we continue, we're going to continue to screen at film festivals. It's going to screen in, in Germany, uh, LA, San Francisco, Houston, uh, maybe Santa Cruz in the next, you know, month. So there is still kind of, the film festival phase. Um, but uh, we're trying to kind of lock down our PBS broadcast. And I think that will be, um, kind of a good knowing that the film got out on public TV and was seen by, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of people, um, will be a great kind of thing. Um, and great, you know, all along the film, the point was to get it on, public TV and the, the earliest, some of the earliest funding came from that source. So people set up to make films for all kinds of reasons. And while, while it was important for Island Soldier to be, uh, you know, we tried to make it beautiful and shoot it in an interesting way. But at the end of the day, the point of it is to, to communicate and tell stories and to be accessible to people. Um, and so I think that, 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 you know, this final push is just trying to get out into the world and hopefully also doing a little bit of an impact campaign um, to do kind of more community screenings in the Pacific where it feels like it's, it's most relevant. Um, and it, it was interesting. People, people kept asking me when I was coming back and what my next project in Micronesia was. And I'm, I'm definitely, I have some conversations going right now about projects related to, to migration and climate change and, uh, and things like that. But having done this project, and knowing kind of how expensive it is to travel, um, it'd be great to have a little more funding lined up next time. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm in production on a, a film about George Booth, a 91-year-old New Yorker cartoonist who actually got his was served was was in the Marines in the Pacific um, during World War II, and then kind of got recruited into the recruited to draw for this magazine called Leatherneck. Um, so so it's it's a different story, but there is a Pacific element and there is a, an element of, of service and, and I guess war in a way. So it's, it's themes that I'm interested in, but it's uh, mostly shooting here in New York. So it's, it's a little bit simpler in terms of travel. Well, uh, be sure to let me know when that one is finished as well. Uh, I look forward to, to seeing all your future work. Uh, having just seen the, the, the one movie, uh, uh, I, I definitely know that anything that you produce is going to be worth watching. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time to watch the film and for the, you know, your interest in featuring me on your podcast. And there you have it. Another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure that you receive a new episode every single week when I release them. Until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?